This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. Third time's a charm with this one, Kate. I don't think I liked it the first two times I watched it. Or I guess I liked it a little more each time. That's so surprising to me. I really liked this movie from the first time I saw it. I'm trying to think of what needed to grow on me. I'm sure we'll get into it when we talk about the movie Oculus. Something about the intro just rubbed me the wrong way, and I think I carried it with me through most of the movie the first time I saw it, to the point where I did not even remember watching this until I started (laughs) watching it again and was re- irritated by the intro. That's so funny because I was surprised when you said that you hadn't seen this before and then I was very excited that you hadn't seen it before because this is a Mike Flanagan movie and he is a much, much bigger deal in 2023 than he was 10 years ago in 2013 when the movie Oculus came out. He's a new guy to me, and not in the sense that he's new on the scene, but he's a new name that I'm starting to recognize and see all over the place. I thought it was pretty cool that this was his because I had no idea. I didn't know anything really about this movie. And it uses a mostly different cast from the people he usually works with. His wife is again featured in this film as a ghost, but that's about it. So I, I didn't recognize it as a Mike Flanagan. He also did Hush which was great. Yeah, he has been getting a lot of acclaim recently for his Netflix outings on The Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, The Midnight Club, Haunting of Hill House. He's what they jokingly call the Flaniverse on Netflix because he uses a lot of the same actors in each of these shows and short series. I think that knowing what his style is like now and going back and rewatching Oculus made me realize that I love this movie because it has a bad ending. And I think that that's a hallmark <laughs> of his horror is that things don't work out well for people, <laughs> even if you really, really want it to. There's a lot of pathos in his in his shows and movies. Yeah, it's really not neat. And I love that too. You get bonus points from me every time favorite characters or characters are following get it in the end, especially if it is mm-hmm. surprising. Because that's what mm-hmm. I think would happen in real life. There's no way some of these bozos would make it out. Love that about this movie. And it definitely makes up for the, the intro <laughs> for me. I'm sure the intro's <laughs> fine to everybody else. I don't know why I had such an issue with it. That's so funny. I'm going to have to have you just tell the audience about the intro just so that they they know what we're talking about. Okay. Well, the intro is focused on the main girl and I can't remember her name because I can never remember her name. She's just ponytail girl to me. I mean, she owns the intro. It's it's all her. It's it's really it's just her, Kate. <laughs> I just get so irritated by this character in the intro. I hate the way she is supposed to be like 23 at this point, but They've dressed her up like this rich 30 or 40 year old and her nails are this classic like red nails. She looks very rich. The way she talks is just it's very elevated. Why? Why are they aging up this character? It was driving me nuts. I hate the way her ponytail swings. I think just the way she was presenting, what do you, what do we even call this? An exorcism of a mirror Mm -hmm. to her brother. I was just like, girl, shut up. I'm so tired of listening. I just found her. So off-putting. But that passed. (laughs) Once I got past the intro and I understood more what was going on, I was like, oh, okay, that's why she's acting like that. Why she is spending all this money on this mirror, blah, blah, blah. For whatever reason, I just wasn't into her. And she is played by Karen Gillan, who this was pre-MCU Karen Gillan. She would have been best known for Doctor Who at the time. But she does play Nebula in the many, many Marvel movies that she's in. She is weirdly aged up. She's only supposed to be in her early 20s at this point because I like this movie and I want to justify everything about it. I assumed that it was maybe her trauma response was, okay, I'm going to 
infiltrate these circles. I'm going to attach myself to people who are wealthy and older than me. And then that's going to let me get this mirror back into my life. Doesn't make it more pleasant to watch, but it at least is a reason for maybe why it's happening. No, and that makes total sense. And I understood that later. For just some reason, I I was driving me nuts. But did she drive you nuts or? I think I was mostly taking it in. I didn't love when she was going over the history of the mirror on tape in front of her brother. I find that part a little bit grating because I feel kind of a heavy-handed exposition for the viewer, not for the characters in the movie. It's just a big exposition dump, and they use her narrating this. And they even kind of lampshade it where her brother is like, who is this for? But it doesn't make it better. I've never seen someone swing a ponytail like her, though. It was so energetic. The only actor I actually recognized in this movie was Starbuck. And again, I don't know her name, but Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica, which I love. Great show. She is the mom, right? Yes. All right. That's Kate Sackoff. Yes. And she has most recently been in The Mandalorian. Okay. But yeah, otherwise, didn't recognize a lot of the the actors. We do get a cameo from Kate Siegel, who plays the ghost in the mirror. She's been in tons of Mike Flanagan and is married to him now as of 2016. Yes, her I've seen everywhere. Just didn't realize it was her at first until I looked in Mm -hmm. the cast credits. Okay, so something I thought was really funny and that I had never noticed in my, you know, previous viewings of this movie, but noticed today is that one of the production companies is Bloomhouse Productions, but the other production company is WWE Studios. What's that? The wrestling, the world oh, wrestling WWE. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Okay, so I looked them up and they became a production company or started a production company in 2005 for their first, you know, five plus years of being a production company. It was only wrestling themed movies. Did they produce The Wrestler? No. They okay. produce things with like stuff no one would ever watch. Maybe if you're deep in the WWE fandom, not critically acclaimed <laughs> The Wrestler. And then it turns out that over the last like two decades, they periodically pick up horror movies that no other studio is distributing. Out of the goodness of their hearts? I think if they think it's going to make money, they might pick it up. But yeah, they're still to this day. Their last movie that they put out was in 2021. It was a wrestling movie. But it looked like Mike Flanagan had shopped around Oculus, wasn't getting many bites, which was surprising because this was actually based on a short film that he did that was really well received. Didn't get any big production studios interested in it at the time, but WWE Studios did pick it up and distribute it. That is wild. So weird, right? It's so (laughs) weird. I'm. What makes them do that? It's not on brand. This movie doesn't feel like fans of wrestling would like it by default. It's just a weird choice for their repertoire. But this movie only had a budget of five million dollars and made forty-four million in the box office. Yeah, so it's a good investment for WWE. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it bought them a new belt or something, Kate. Okay, we've been talking a lot about filming this season. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Frighteners taking six months to film. Do you, did mm-hmm. you look up how long it took to film this? I did not. Three weeks. Wow. So short. I buy it. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was good for me to have that context. <laughs> yes. I'm not surprised. I think that three weeks is definitely on the bell curve on the shorter side, but having known in advance that so many movies take between 30 and 45 days to shoot 21 days is pretty good still there's got to be some kind of scale we can come up with rating system for movies that ooh the frighteners (laughs) (laughs) yes movies that waste production time versus very efficiently produced movies I'm not I guess yeah we could call it the frightener scale I know I love it it's just incredible to me how long the frighteners took to make We'll never get over it, ever. Well, should we get a quick summary of the plot so we can dive into some of the details? Yes, let's do it. 
as children, Kaylee and her brother Tim and their two parents move into a new house and mysteriously become the owners of a very expensive, very old mirror. The mirror seems to have psychological powers over the people in the family, causing them to hurt themselves and other people. We get this information via flashback, and today we see adult Kaylee and her brother Tim trying to at once document that the mirror is haunted or is having a supernatural effect on people with the ultimate goal of bringing justice to their family and ultimately destroying the mirror. Quick aside, does this happen to you? I keep confusing this movie with the Lazarus effect and the eye. Any reason why that you can think of or have you have you had that same experience? I have, not with this movie, but I've had other movies where I'm just like, oh, this is this other completely different movie. And I don't know if it's because they came out around the same time or maybe the marketing was similar, but I've definitely had that before. Yeah, I kept expecting this movie to be focused on eyes because of the word Oculus. I kind of assumed there was some sort of eye-centric focus in the movie. And I think the eye, for obvious reasons, and the Lazarus effect, I remember the artwork the box artwork has a close-up of an eye. Mm -hmm. And so these three movies have jumbled around in my head for a while. Turns out it's about a mirror. (laughs) It is about a mirror. And what a mirror it is. They actually give us not one exposition dump about this mirror, but two exposition dumps. The first being at the auction that we see at the beginning of the movie. And then the second is when Kaylee is on camera trying to explain just how haunted this mirror is. Do we know how they lost it? I was a little bit confused about that plot point because they had it, obviously, (laughs) in their home, and then they lost it and she was buying it at auction again. No, I don't think it's clear how they lost it, but it's also not clear how they even got it in the first place. It seems like maybe the husband had seen it and was compelled to buy it originally, but... No, I think that the origins and kind of the happenings around the mirror aren't totally clear. Okay. This experiment she does with the mirror, as irritating as her presentation is at the start, it's really cool. And I really love the way they use cameras to track what the mirror is doing because the mirror is fucking with them the whole time. It's awful. It's showing them things they don't see. And you can see that in the camera, changing what they see physically in front of them. It's very, Mm -hmm. very strange, very creepy. I typically don't find supernatural things scary. I find this one to be very affecting, very creepy, because it's literally altering your perception. Once you start questioning what is real and what's not real, Nothing is real. I feel like there has to be a point where the characters just accept that nothing is real anymore because of the mirror's powers. That never happens, which is kind of crazy, but it's so wild how the mirror is able to make them do things to themselves and to the other people. And kills plants and disappears dogs. Terrible. Yeah, it eats dogs. (laughs) I think that The mirror itself, I was wondering if any of the background that they gave us on the mirror was a hint to why the mirror is the way it is. They said that the mirror is over 400 years old. It was previously hanging in Balmoral Castle, which is the Scottish estate for the British royal family. So it's been very esteemed. And now it's just in like some random suburban house in America. Bonkers, right? And they say that it was carved from one piece of Bavarian black cedar. And so you'd think that this is a giant tree from the Bavarian forest in Germany. And so I looked it up and there are so many legends related to the Bavarian forest. Oh, really? tons tons of folk legends i will put a link on the blog to one page summarizing 
just a handful of legends. Some of them are positive. Some of them are a little more creepy. There's just so many folk tales about this forest that even though there was nothing I could find that was specifically related to a black cedar tree or a mirror or anything like that, I think that it's coming from a place that people have kind of historically felt like was magical or had some kind of supernatural thing going on with it. So nothing jumped out at you that would explain this specific folktale or this, I guess, retelling of maybe one of these legends. There's a general spooky factor around this piece of wood in general. I think that there was nothing specific related to this, but more just that these are woods that have supernatural things happening in them a lot or that locals would feel like, oh, be careful when going through the woods because you might run into fairies or you might run into something or you might get lost and die and then your child becomes a spirit of the woods. There's just a lot of kind of just beliefs around it. And so it felt like, oh, it's coming from somewhere that people think is maybe enchanted or supernatural. Oh, that is badass. And now I want to go visit it. What do you think about the kill switch for the mirror? Why have a kill switch and why not just break the mirror? It's a good question. I think that Kaylee has set up this very mousetrap style (laughs) contraption to have a kill switch on the mirror in case things go awry. I think the kill switch is serving two purposes. One of them is that It is threatening the mirror into acting out so that they can catch it on camera. Hmm. I think that if there was no threat against the mirror, it would be trying to haunt them in a more more slow burn because we saw in the flashbacks that even though their vision started on night one, it was still over the course of weeks and months that it was psychologically breaking them down. And so I think that she has the kill switch up to be like – I'm going to smash you. And that is like enough to rile the ghosts up in there to make things start happening. And then she's able to try and catch it on video so that she can try and get some redemption for her family. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) That's extremely hard to do when the mirror is not only changing what you see on camera, but what you see with your own eyes. I mean, at one point, she thinks that she's eaten an apple and then it turns into a light bulb and then it turns back into an apple. There, there's no way to film that. It would just always be an apple. Awful. Yes. I love that scene. It is such a good example of the mirror just taunting them. It's very tricksy in a lot of ways where it's kind of like, look at what I could do to you. I could make you eat a light bulb if I wanted you to eat a light bulb. Don't fuck with me. That's how I feel like the mirror and Kaylee in particular have a very antagonistic relationship with each other. That's such a funny word, the relationship. (laughs) This Pika scene is so unsettling, and yet Pika is a real condition where people eat things that are not food. It'd be really easy to even write this mom off as insane. She's just eating glass. (laughs) Pika is a thing that can develop, too, when you're pregnant. It's something I learned when I was pregnant. Yeah, tell us all the things Um, you ate, Kate. How much glass did you eat? Oh, my gosh. I didn't eat any glass. I had really strong cravings to eat ice, which is a very mild form of pika, Mm -hmm. and is actually related, I learned later, to anemia, which I did have pretty bad anemia while I was pregnant. So it can cause pika-induced desires to eat ice. (laughs) Gosh. Did you ever have pika? No. I, no. No. Oh. (laughs) I've never. I used to eat. Oh, oh man. Never had a desire to eat weird things. You have to tell me now. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I used to eat paper and like paper towel when I was a kid. Okay. Do you know why? Nope. Just felt like I just liked it. I liked Yeah. Yeah. I just did. And then I just stopped one day. I just, I don't remember when I stopped, but I know that by the time I was a teenager, I definitely was not doing it anymore. When you wanted to start getting laid, you stopped eating paper. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that really would have prevented things, I guess. <laughs> Closest I've come was eating dog biscuits, but I mean, that's a food. Yeah, those are like it's, it's a technical food for human consumption. <laughs> I just love dog biscuits. I don't know why. That was that was a weird time <laughs> in my life. Eating glass is called hyalophagia, and there are so many subtypes of pika. We'll post a list mm. on the blog, but the other one that's pretty common is geophagia, and that's eating dirt or clay, those types of things. And it's usually yeah. kind of similar to pregnancy. It's based on mineral deficiencies. There is a horror movie that came out a couple of years ago that is based around a woman suffering from pika that I would love to watch with you. Yes, it's called Swallow, and it came out in 2019. She's just a lonely housewife who starts eating non-food. That's how lonely she is. <laughs> also saw Pika featured in Catherine the Great. The character of Catherine the Great gets pregnant and is throughout the show while she's pregnant presented with nails. I don't know if they're rusty or not, but she's constantly <laughs> chewing on metal and, and nails and things like that. And I was like, wait, is that a Russian thing? I didn't understand what it was at first. Yeah. So that was a really good trick of the mirror, I thought, because it's horrifying. Watching this mother eat this glass is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. And it's mm -hmm. totally something you could write off at a hospital. Yeah, it's horrific. We see her ruin her teeth. She's spitting out ceramic and glass and her teeth and her mouth is just mangled it's horrifying I like hated seeing the mom with her broken teeth yeah it was Smeagol but not funny mm -hmm. also when the dad pulls his fingernails out with the staple remover gross I mean Ooh, he was already so like gross. picking at his nails and biting his nails and stuff but then he starts really going to town and he rips off his whole fingernail at one point and he's just got these bloody stumps and doesn't no, even say ow <laughs> I know I felt like there's a lot of good like visceral like hard to watch gore in this movie um one of my favorite scary mirror tricks that it does is when Kaylee is picking up the mirror from the auction there's the statues under sheets in the auction room. And when she walks in, there's two statues under sheets. And then when she's turned around, there are three figures under sheets. And she's like, I know what you're up to. <laughs> this is what I mean by the relationship yeah. between her and the mirror is she's like, you're not going to get one over on me. <laughs> but it's very creepy. Just the appearance of the third figure is really unsettling. Yeah, this is definitely my favorite spooky moment in the movie. And it's early, so it did bring me in on every rewatch. Mm -hmm. I jumped because I did a double take. I was like, wait, there were only two. It took me a second. I thought I had missed it. And then I saw what was happening. And then their faces, well, their heads turn under the sheets. And when she goes to unmask them... I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just very tense, holding my breath and waiting to see what would happen. And at the same time being like, it's pretty early. It's probably not going to be anything, but something might jump out. And then I would scream. As Kate knows, I always scream. It's good. It makes it fun to watch yeah. movies with you. It also makes the parents attack their own kids, which is really hard to watch. Yes, man. Mike Flanagan putting kids in danger in his stuff was all I was thinking about watching this was how traumatizing it would be for kids not only to eventually be attacked and strangled by your parents, but also in the weeks leading up to that, your mom is quote unquote sick and can't come down or she's they're not feeding you you're literally starving because That's there's right. no food in the house <laughs> it's so horrible and they want to help their mom and then they go up to help her well that you know Kaylee goes up to help her and gets attacked by her it's so traumatizing I actually I really love these child actors a lot actually I thought they were great 
I thought the child actors were really good. I felt like the child actor for Tim was a spot-on casting choice for adult Tim. And the mirroring of Tim as a child being taken away and Tim as an adult being taken away so hard. He was taken away at what, like 10? And kept in this loony bin his whole life. Didn't have a relationship with his sister. Is that normal? I mean, when? What? (laughs) Was this kid tried as an adult? Anyone could have seen that the scenario was not good for him. It would have been self-defense, I would imagine. Yes. I also don't agree that it makes any sense. It's either a miscarriage of justice has happened. Which is not or too far off. Yeah. <laughs> Which could be it. But yeah, they even talk about how this family, you know, the mom was tortured to death and then the son killed the dad. And they made it almost sound like it was in retaliation for what he did to the mom. But even in that case, wouldn't she be like, this is a 10-year-old whose mom was chained up in a bedroom and beaten to death. You know, I don't understand either why he would spend the next 10, 11 years in an asylum. Insane. I felt so bad for this character. Well, this character really (laughs) gets a bum rap. But I didn't. I didn't like that. I didn't like that he spent his entire childhood in crazy prison or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> whatever PC word we're supposed to use. No, I agree. And I think that the only line that they throw us around that is the psychologist says, oh, that dream that you had is proof that you're finally taking ownership over your actions. What? For one thing. And then for another thing, were they only keeping him in there because he was insisting that it was the mirror that did it, not him? I don't know. It's not very clean. It seems entirely unfair for this kid. I know, this poor kid. So the mirror, as we know from Kaylee, has had a lot of victims. It's had 45 victims in the last 400 years. But the one that we see in this movie is a woman. It's the woman in dad's office. We know from Kaylee's retelling that this is likely the woman who had a miscarriage. But why do you think that the mirror showed her or had her as the main ghost haunting this family when there were so many others? I had that same question and I was trying to come up with a solution that made sense. And what I think could be going on is another pay it forward situation. (laughs) I'm guessing that whoever was previously killed victim is the haunt. They now take mm-hmm. over that job, I guess, because everybody's still in the mirror. You you see everybody that's been killed by it at some point, but the only one taking action is the most recent victim, which was the woman with the miscarriage. So now what I'm assuming is that this family is going to continue with whoever the next victim is when the kids were screwing around with the mirror they also saw their dad they also saw their mom and those were the two recent victims before the kids so that's what I think is happening what about you that makes sense I didn't have a good explanation for it I thought that maybe the avatar of the mirror would be whatever would specifically haunt your family the most and so because this dad was already emotionally detached from his family and the mom had body image issues that it was an easy way to put a wedge in between them by presenting as a beautiful woman to kind of seduce the husband and make it seem like he was having an affair make the mom question her own self-worth and like her own beauty and it was her specific revenge on a family that had what she didn't have because the mirror forced Mm. her to have a miscarriage and they had this happy family and that she got to tear apart so that was my reading into it but that was just total conjecture (laughs) i like that the ghost who makes the most sense to harass the new owners of the mirror goes and does it i i like that yeah interpretation i thought that scene where the mother is kind of glancing at the mirror she is checking out the office. She's talking to her husband about 
you know, work or whatever. I can't remember actually, but she, as she's leaving, he says something to her or the mirror does. And she Mm -hmm. turns and looks in the mirror and she looks awful. She just looks tired and not attractive and beaten. Right. But she doesn't actually look like that in real life. And I thought that was, I thought it was really sad because I think I, not just women, but a lot of women do that. It's such a shitty feeling to feel ugly in front of the person who's supposed to love you, especially hearing him. What did he call her? Like cow? Yeah. Something, something cow. Like really insulting. It was so rude. Yeah. Felt so bad for that character in that moment. I know. The mirror really goes for some low blows. <laughs> yeah. In, in the flashbacks, I felt like the parents had the effects of the mirror way worse than the kids. In fact, I don't think the kids really started to have to deal with it until it was too late. The mother had gone crazy and was chained up and, you know, they were obviously experiencing that. But really the worst thing that happened was they saw the woman in the mirror. I agree. They see the woman in the mirror in the office, but really they're mostly just picking up collateral damage from the mirror messing with their parents. Their parents are having hallucinations. They're being psychologically broken down. All of that is having a really negative effect on the kids, but they're not being driven to pull out their own fingernails or like do anything that the parents are doing. That would have been really hard to watch. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. I agree. I th- wonder if it's that the ghosts know that they're going to suffer enough or probably die at the hands of the parents anyway, so they don't need to do anything additional <laughs> onto this. It's already horrifying enough having the people who are supposed to take care of you try and kill you over and over via strangulation. Oh, I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised the mirror didn't try to make them see their parents as normal like we see at the end where the mother is used as bait to get Kaylee to be the blocker from the blow. I'm a little Mm -hmm. surprised it didn't do that sooner so that the mom and dad could choke them out a lot easier. (laughs) Maybe it was more fun to watch this little boy go to jail. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're in it for the long haul. Like we're going to ruin this family over decades. (laughs) We're just going to traumatize them forever. Was there any part in the flashbacks that you thought was the scariest? Before I get to scariest, I will get to funniest. I thought it was really funny to see a bowl of burnt toast on the table for dinner when the mom was losing it. Oh, man. I know. They're just picking at their burnt plain toast. (laughs) Mom of the year. (laughs) Not even butter on it, it looked like. She's just prepping her kid for jail. Let's see. The scariest thing. I always find it terrifying when you go for help and help comes and help does nothing. And this happens twice. They literally go get a neighbor and they're like, please help us. We need food. Our mother is sick. Our dad is not doing anything. The neighbor comes and is like, oh, you know, how are you doing? How are things going? And the dad's like, oh, it's fine. Kids will be kids. And that's it. And this is after, I think, phone calls have been made, right? We mm-hmm. The dad has supposedly called the doctor, but that didn't happen either because that's another trick the mirror is playing. So no help mm-hmm. is coming for these people. I was like, call an ambulance. Somebody call an ambulance. And then they do, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's so hard to watch. We get this great preview of the type of person that Kaylee is going to grow up to be because she's gotten pretty savvy. She tries to call for help and then she calls again and she looks at her brother and she says it was the same voice as the last time. And so she's picking up that the mirror is interfering with her phone calls. And so it's this little seed of, okay, adult Kaylee is going to be a maniac for her. <laughs> for trying to outsmart this mirror. All of the parts with the mom in the flashbacks were the scariest for me. Just seeing her absolutely get unhinged by this mirror. There was so much tension built around her body image 
that I was actually surprised that they didn't go further with body horror around her C-section mm. scar. There's a part where she's got her dress unbuttoned and she's standing in front of the mirror and it looks like she's tearing at her belly. And that I was like, oh, fuck, because I was expecting to see her disemboweling herself. Um, but then there's no payoff for it. It's just then she turns and chases after Kaylee and attacks her. But that moment when I thought that she was ripping herself open really freaked me out. Yeah, that was really creepy. And I thought the same thing. I was like this, like with my hands kind of like mm -hmm. in front of my eyes waiting for her to rip herself open. I just find that so gross. And especially when you see a belly being cut open and pulled apart, it looks so unnatural in a way. It just looks like two big thick flaps. And not like yeah. flesh. And I hate it. it, it it's like a weird mm -hmm. flesh bag. I don't know why. It just creeps me out. Messing with your bowels is... Ugh. That gives me the willies. Yeah. So I was kind of glad I didn't have to see it. But also I was like, this is a missed opportunity. You guys could have really grossed us out. I did have one more spooky moment that I wanted to call out. The kids are watching TV. And it's all static. There's no TV anymore even. They can't even entertain themselves. And really quickly, you see these faces in the static. And then they disappear. And it never comes up. It's just, oh, shit, this mirror is just introducing so much chaos and paranormal activity all over the place. There's really no escape. I know. They're effectively locked in this horrible house just not even having the energy for laser tag anymore by the end. These kids love laser tag. They're playing it every flashback. Maybe that was the really popular thing. Okay, so you know what's funny is that I'm used to flashbacks being back in the 70s or back in the <laughs> 80s or whatever. And this flashback is back to 2002. And oh, so I had man. to like stop and think, okay, in 2002, oh my God, Megan, in 2002... I was 11, so I would have been Kaylee's age, and I was not into laser tag. <laughs> I was graduating high school, and I was also not into laser tag. <laughs> I mean, it was cool, but I, I wasn't obsessed with it. Yeah, I just had that realization that me and Kaylee <laughs> are the same age. It's so weird to do a flashback, and it goes back to your own childhood, and you're like, hey, that wasn't that long yeah. ago. <laughs> Laser tag. I don't remember anybody having laser tag. I remember Nerf guns. Nerf guns. Those were really popular. And super soakers. Yeah. Did you have a toy that you were obsessed with the same way these kids are obsessed with their laser tag outfits? You know, as you were asking that question, it hit me, this nostalgic like wave, because I had a bop it. Oh, those were cool. It was so fun. <laughs> what about you? I was obsessed with stuffed animals. And mm. every time my sister and I would go to play, we would get all our stuffed animals and we'd line them up in the living room in a line. And then we would take turns picking which one we would be. And we would just sit Cute. and play with our stuffed animals all day. Sad story, though. One day I kind of was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel like this. This is this is a lot of work. <laughs> I, I think is kind of where my mind was going. I don't want to be this creative right now. And I and Emily started getting out her toys, and I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. And then we never played again. <laughs> so oh, you sad. remember? I know. You remember the last time you played? Well, I remember the oh, last man. time we tried to play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is sad. Yeah. So. Speaking of all these flashbacks where nothing is what it seems, I mean, this is all stuff that Kaylee is trying to capture in the mirror and show the rest of the world, look, this is not my brother's fault. This mirror is a menace. We need to throw it to the bottom of the ocean. Ooh, what would throwing it to the bottom of the ocean do? Hmm. Well, we can table that. But we should go through all of the steps she has taken to protect themselves. Kaylee's plan to outsmart this mirror seems so thorough at first. Yes. It feels like this is a woman with a plan and who's going to make it out alive. 
She's a woman with a plan and a ponytail, and she is going to get this ghostly action on camera, which is her main mission here is having not just one camera, not just two cameras, but three different cameras to try and capture evidence that this mirror is haunting this house in this family. And the cameras seem pretty ingenious, right? Nobody has thought to do this before. Way back in the day, there were no cameras. But Mm -hmm. what we start seeing pretty fast is that the camera shows us one thing, but Kaylee's doing something else. The first time we see this is from the brother's point of view, and he's kind of just looking at what's happening. And he sees Kaylee moving a camera, but in the video she's zooming in with her face to the camera she's getting close to the camera and it's not mm-hmm. what he's seeing her do but yeah. he doesn't say anything it's creepy. yet yeah it's really creepy it's really creepy and it makes you feel like oh there is a source of truth it might not be what they're seeing but there is some way to capture what is actually happening and so even if their perception is totally fucked at least they've got the cameras Kaylee I think falls victim to feeling like she's got it all figured out because she's got the cameras she's got backup lights and a generator if the electricity goes out because she's expecting the electricity to go out she brought a dog to sacrifice to the mirror like she's so prepared she didn't even give it a name she just called it dog She's like, you're not worthy of a name. You're just bait. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Poor little guy. She has these fatal flaws, though. Yes. Where she's like, she should know better, but she does it anyway. She is like, I'm going to have my fiance call every hour on the hour to make sure we're okay. And if he doesn't hear (laughs) from me, he has to show up. There's this great scene where she's talking to her brother about all of this stuff being set up and she takes his phone. She's like, don't answer the phone. You can't use the phone in here. It's not going to work. And then she gets a call from her fiance and immediately picks it up. And I just thought that was really funny. I was like, why aren't you not using the phone? Because of her hubris. She thinks that she's smarter. And even later as things are starting to fall apart, she's like... 50-50 chance that was even my fiancé. And I was like, do you see what's happening, though? And this really comes home to roost for her when she drops the plate on the ground. She picks it up, but then she's using her phone to look through the, the camera on the phone at the ground. And she's like... Oh, ho, ho, the mirror wants me to think that there's glass all over. But when I look through the camera, it's empty. There's nothing on the floor. And then she gets startled by what she thinks is, uh, what is it, a ghost vision of her mom? I think it's her mother. Yeah. Yeah. And so she stabs it, and then it's revealed to be her fiancé. And then she tries to use the phone again, and then it's like, oh, nope, the mirror has an effect on this, too, because the mirror has an effect on literally everything you perceive. Everything oh, you perceive so good. is affected. And so there is no using a trick to try and see what is actually happening because everything is going through your eyes. <laughs> and it's not even consistent. She sees her fiance and assumes he's not real because mm-hmm. of what the phone is showing her gets a phone call from him while she's looking at his dead body any of these things could be real it doesn't matter and what finally does it for her what finally does it for her I guess because the phone matches what she sees with her eyes but even that I was like are we sure do we really know right now yeah we don't it kind of solidifies for her when Tim sees the fiance is dead there too and is like what happened because then it's okay it's two of them plus the phone camera but even then even then this is why I think this is a fool's errand that she is on Mm -hmm. and it kills me that she is so hell-bent on this redemption arc for her family that she doesn't stop to think about okay, this supernatural force of evil that can literally change what you see and think and perceive is something that I can outclass. 
It just doesn't make any sense. It would have been better for her to just have a nice life with her brother after he got out of jail. How tragic that he spent the last decade plus in an asylum, gets out, and is immediately carted back to the house in front of this mirror. (laughs) How horrible. Oh, my heart sank. I was like, this is a great ending because I am gutted. (laughs) I feel so bad for this kid. Oh, man. Yeah, the ending is so intense. We've had this like Chekhov's kill switch waiting this whole movie where we're like, well, if things go really, you know, off the rails, then the mirror will just get shattered at the end anyway. And so Tim is like, you know what? I'm done. I'm activating the kill switch that's supposed to drive this like giant like machete spike thing (laughs) into the mirror. It's a very saw trap for this mirror. (laughs) Is it exactly a saw trap? And lo and behold, the mirror had just like masked Kaylee, like Kaylee's in front of the mirror. And so he kills his sister. And it's on camera. There's no way to deny it. She was his undoing because of her camera. I also wasn't sure what to think when we see the two of them standing outside the house and they're looking in at themselves, looking at the mirror. And I was like, if I saw myself outside, I think I would just stay outside. Mm-hmm. But but you don't even know if you're real at that point. It's so mind-boggling. Yeah, it's a real mindfuck. One thing I really appreciated was in an interview about this movie, Mike Flanagan said that he did not want to give too much explanation around how the mirror works or give a very tidy ending to it because he wanted the audience to feel like there are forces that are more powerful and more evil than we can conceive of. And so it's just what it is. It's just this evil mirror. (laughs) (laughs) that we have no hope against (laughs) you would need magic you need to take it back to that Bavarian forest and find some like Mm -hmm. kind fairy although I hear fairies are jerks and (laughs) cure the mirror or destroy it that way I I don't see how anybody could do it one tool that I thought would work were the timers which I thought was so clever she had these Mm -hmm. timers for eating and drinking and it was because previous victims died of starvation or died of dehydration, being surrounded by the very thing they needed. So it was a good, mm-hmm. it was her way of reminding them, okay, keep ourselves, keep the basics going, keep ourselves alive. But at one point she picks up the timer and throws it when it goes off. And I was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. I think it's the mirror. Yeah. I think it's just the mirror just being like, oh, this is in- inconvenient for our plan. So we're just going to have you destroy this. <laughs> Yeah, even without electricity, doomed. I know. So this is ghost season, and we've been talking about the mirror as our entity here, but we do actually see some ghosts in this movie. What did you think of the ghosts that we do see? They all had such tortured deaths. Their lives seemed fine. So the fact that they were so awful and mean, I was kind of like, is this just the mirror doing this again? Are they trapped in this limbo of constantly torturing people? What an afterlife. I agree. It seems like they met such a brutal end and then were trapped in this cycle of having to haunt other people. And so it just kind of makes them a conduit for evil, even if they weren't necessarily evil spirits. And their eyes are creepy. I was just about to say, I really like how their eyes were mirror-like. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good touch. It freaked me out the first time we saw the glowing eyes in the dark. That gave me a literal Mm -hmm. jump. So good move. Yeah. I don't think of this as a ghost movie (laughs) I will admit even though it is about ghosts and the haunting of this house through the mirror I think of this as kind of like a cursed object type movie especially thinking about it in the context of this season but that doesn't stop me from wanting to recommend this to everybody oh it shouldn't and 
whatever it checks the box right there's ghosts in it and they're doing shit to people so it counts (laughs) but it's actually a great movie I would recommend this movie I'd recommend it to anybody who likes horror it's very unique story I've never seen anything Mm -hmm. like it closest thing honestly would be hereditary and that's only because hereditary also plays with the audience thinking this can be figured out but in reality it cannot Mm -hmm. they are doomed yep and it's scary this one has genuine jump scares it has a really good balance I feel between jump scare and hard to watch gore which is really tough to figure out in a movie I feel like movies tend to lean like all the way one or the other and don't have a good mix of both but this one is it's got good scares for everybody and psychological scares there's a lot to think about every time I watch this (laughs) beyond the first time I got more and more out of it yeah, this one definitely benefits on rewatch. It's just fun to rewatch. I've seen it a bunch of times and I still find it creepy and unsettling every time I watch it. So definitely check this one out. I think that this is really far up there in terms of horror movies that I love. So I'm really glad that we got to talk about it this season. For sure. And our next episode is going to be featuring a new movie out this year, Knock at the Cabin. So join us then for this M. Night Shyamalan vehicle. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.